Welcome to the City Podcast, a ministry of Ambassadors Church in Pawtucket, Rhode Island. If you'd like more information about our church, visit our website at wearethecity.org. Thanks for tuning in, and we hope you are blessed by today's word. And I'm ready to bring it, so I hope that you're ready to receive it. Uh, if you could open up your, bless you, your Bibles to the book of Isaiah. We're going to Isaiah chapter 55. Isaiah. Oh, kids. Yes. Y'all can go out for Children's Church if you haven't already. Sorry about that. Sorry. A week off. I'm a little bit rusty. I, uh, kids, y'all can leave with Miss Soraya. You guys are going to have a wonderful time with her. Isaiah 55 verses 8 through 13. Isaiah 55 verses 8 through 13. This is part four of our series entitled Design. And, uh, and next week, will be the closing installment of this series. And uh, I've gotten a lot of great feedback on this series, a lot of great feedback on, on these last few weeks. And so I want to encourage you to not only lean in and, 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 and engage with the word this morning, but also to invite somebody next week, uh, because I believe, you know, best things come last. And so it's going to be an amazing last part of our design series next Sunday. Isaiah 55, verse 8 says this, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, Neither are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there, but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty but it shall accomplish that which I have purposed and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. For you shall go out in joy and be led forth in peace. The mountains and the hills before you shall break forth into singing and all the trees of the field will clap their hands. Instead of the thorn shall come up a cypress. Instead of the briar shall come up a myrtle and it shall make a name for the Lord, an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. That's a word this morning. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your faithfulness. I thank you, God, for your word this morning that this scripture promises us will not return empty. That, Father, where there has been thorns, they will be replaced, O God, with growth and life. And I pray, God, that we would step even further into what it looks like to live life God's way. Thank you, Jesus, for the opportunity we have today, the unique opportunity we have to be together with friends and family surrounding your word. And Father, I pray that this process of of hearing your word would be life-giving and engaging and exciting, and that we would not just zone out, but that we would really dial in and lean in to what the Spirit wants to say to the church. We ask in your name, amen. Folks, we're back from Honduras, y'all. We had a team of 11 people. Give it up for the 11 that went to Honduras, and it was an amazing, 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 amazing experience. I mean, I can only talk about all that God did, all that God did, just miracles, and uh, we just saw the faithfulness and the hand of God, and we came back so inspired by the fact that God is building his church around the world, and the gates of hell itself will not prevail against it. I'm telling you, the church is a beautiful thing. 
for it, it springs up in big cities and in forgotten villages. And regardless of where you are or how much money a congregation has, the presence of God is just as real and just as tangible. And in the most forgotten of places, God is still doing a new thing. It was so awesome to be able to leave from here. And then we, we spent uh, several days in a small uh, village called La Lima, uh, which uh, it was just an appointment of the Lord. It's called La Lima. And there was a small Nazarene church in the middle of that community and just driving into that impoverished neighborhood and, 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 and driving up to that, that Nazarene sign that we know so well. It's just a remind, it's, it's like welcome home all over again. I was going to text it to 41411. It's just home. You know, it's just, it's, it's like going home. It's, it's, it's just an extension of this house. And, and so we, we drove up to this church that had been built in 1994. Uh, but it had closed down in 2009. The church had closed and it's been sitting there for, for, uh, for about a decade now, just kind of in abandonment and, 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 and it shows signs of just age. And, and so it was heartbreaking to, to roll up onto the scene. But what's happening in La Lima is that the, the district is, is reopening this church. Thanks be to God. And, and so what had been shut down for about a decade for now three months has been reopened. And so we got to be a part of the reopening of this church in, in La Lima, which was a beautiful, beautiful process. And so we, we spent three days at this small little church. And you wouldn't give much for it. It's just four walls and a, and a roof. That's, that's, that's it. No, no bells and whistles. Uh, a bathroom that is not functional. There is, there is nothing. All there is in that building is a sign on the, on the back of the sanctuary saying that God has done great things among us. That's the only thing in there. But I believe that was a prophetic word that was left on that building speaking to what the new life that would come through that same space. And so we walked into there and, 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 and it's like an abandoned shed. That's what it felt like. It didn't feel like a temple, uh, but we knew that that house had been dedicated for the purposes of God and we got to be part of its rebirth. And so they started telling us what the projects would be for the days. And I'm not much of a construction guy and, 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 and that's all right. But where there's willingness, God provides the equipment and the strength to do it. And it was a hundred and some degree weather. So it was hot and heavy. And, uh, and, 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 and so they said, we're going to build a wall on the backside of this church, on the property line of this church, because the neighbors and people in the neighborhood have now created a path through the church property. And so in order to put a proper barrier or a, a dividing mark, a property line on the church, we were going to build this cinder block wall. And it started off with us having to dig a ditch so that we could uh, put lay a foundation to then build up the wall. I've never dug a ditch. Uh, we've I, just never needed to, right? So, uh, so they said, you know, it's going to be 12 inches wide, and you're going to go two feet deep. Uh, and, then, and in three spots, you got to go three, 30 inches deep because we got to put columns there. So I'm like, all right, uh, let's just dig. I don't, let's just, let's go at it. And there's this little, old, more elderly man, that they called Maestro. Maestro was the, 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 the contractor. He was the guy who was heading up. I mean, you could tell that this dude has built many a wall. This guy has done this before. And so we needed to move this tree out of the way. It took all 11 of us to push this, this tree that had been cutting down out of the way so we could start digging the ditch. And, and it was so insanely hot that all we could do was literally like a couple shovels out. You got to take a break. It was that it, it was that excruciatingly hot. It was, it was incredibly hot. But the, this process continued, right? We got to day two 
Well, we showed up on the scene on day two. Maestro was making these little grids, these grids made of rebar, these steel, these steel rods. And so he was using four of them to make a square, about two feet by two feet. And then in the, in between four or five other pieces of rebar and then across so that it looked like just a big grid. And this grid was secured with little metal ties so that this grid would then be the foundation of the columns that, that were going to make up the wall. And they would pour cement so that it would have a, a fortified foundation with these rebar grids. And so we saw Maestro do it and it looked easy enough. And so we're like, all right, give us the pieces, give us the, give us the little metal twisties and and we're gonna start making grids how hard can it be it's just a grid uh so but but maestro had uh mastered this uh this process of of making grids you don't simply make grids you grids have to be made maestro's way so uh we we started kind of laying out our, our our rebar pieces and and putting the the cross sections and we got all i mean there was countless little metal little metal twisty ties so that we could start making the the grid and 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 so the thing is maestro was tying this the the corners in like a perfect way like he's like oh es un ocho uh, an eight uh and so my and i only realized how poor my spanish is until i went to Honduras. i thought i spoke spanish so i went to Honduras. i'm like i don't even understand this language but so we we showed up so i start i'm like all right eight and then he takes like a plier and he and he tightens it so that it does, so it doesn't budge. So we had like a couple groups. I was working with you know a couple of the guys and, and some of the girls were doing a grid and and, uh, and 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 some of the other people were working with Maestro and and we're thinking we're gonna get this thing done. So to make a long story short, uh, we finished the, the guys. We were working on a grid together. I fin- we finished the grid. I thought I had nailed the eights, like the, the eight tie. I'm like, I nailed it. I, I started today and look at me. I could do grids for a living. Like this is, this is amazing. This looks great. It's tight. It looks good. Like, and then the, the girls finished also. And then Maestro comes to look at our grids. His grid was done, tight, looking good. Ours looked a little bit, a little lopsided, but it looked fine. I'm like, just kind of go like that and it'll be, it'll be good. He comes and in no thought, no word, we, I'm just, the group was like, está bueno? No. <laughs> he takes out his pliers and a process that took us, I'd say about an hour. Look, like two hours, felt like a day long, making one grid. He starts cutting our ties, one by one, across the entire grid. I'm like, Maestro, why have you forsaken us? He cut off every single tie, minus one on, the, on our grid. And then I think the girl's grid, he cut all of them off. He saved one tie on our grid. That was our pride and joy, that one little tie. And the man redid the entire grid within like a few minutes. What took us a couple hours, Maestro did in a moment. And it it was three things. It was humbling uh, because I, we, I, we, the group thought we had mastered this process of just tying rebar together. How complicated can it be? And it, and it showed us in a moment's notice that, that what we thought was a good plan what we thought looked good was indeed not up to par. And so it was a humbling experience. 
Number two, I think it was, uh, it was a reminder to all of us that Maestro knows best. Uh, that, you know what? Just do it. Because for us to continue to waste time doing what we're not good at, you might, we might as well just surrender and let Maestro be Maestro. Do you know what? I, do you sense where I'm going in this? Like, it's better for us to just let the master do his work instead of us trying to do the, do a copycat version of what we think the, because the thing is, even if it looks the same with our hands doing it, fact is what looks the same isn't really the same. Maestro has to have Maestro's touch. And so, uh, so it was a humbling experience. It was a reminder that Maestro knows best. But then third of all, it was like an expectation feeling also down in there because we knew that once Maestro got his hands on it, it would be done correctly. We were questioning ourselves the entire process. Are we doing it right? And I'm like, yeah, we're doing it great. It looks fantastic. I've never seen a better grid. It's like, it's just, it's looking, looking great. But we knew that once he cut off every single one of our little ties, we knew that once we got his hands on it, it would be done the correct way. This morning, I want to talk about the design that God has, not for a grid, but the design that he has for your life. And I want to remind you of the words of Proverbs that says, man may make their plans, but God is the one who orchestrates his steps. And, and in Isaiah 55, it says that my ways are higher than your ways and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. And, and I want to remind you that God's plan for your life is still alive and active. And even though it may seem confusing, and you may be looking at the pieces thinking, how will this come together in the way that he has planned? I am here to tell you, it's not your responsibility to piece it together. It is your responsibility to Trust the master's hand, knowing that he will make all things work together for your good. Can you say amen? Maestro knows best. Can you tell two people, maestro knows best? Maestro knows best. He's just the man and he knows best. Why? Because he has done grids before. That was my first time touching that stuff. Ever. And, 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 and foolish of me to think that in one day I would be able to learn what he has perfected over the course of his lifetime. Foolish of me to think that I could roll up on the scene and, and mimic what this man has obviously perfected over the course of many, many projects. Have there been ties that Maestro has gotten wrong? For sure. But in the process of doing walls, he has learned what it means to tie a little grid. And I use this simple example to remind you of the plans and the processes of God in your life. God knows what he is doing. And he doesn't need our assistance in getting the project done. He knows what to do and when to do it. And even if some things need to be cut off in the process, I am here to remind you that in the cutting off, there is a perfection that God is bringing about. And so God is going to complete what he has begun in your life. And the project that he has started in you, he knows what he's doing. And I know and I want to remind you of this, that even in the confusing and dark seasons of life, God is still the master. And so we must let the master do his work. God's plans for your life are detailed to perfection. God's plan for your life is not a general plan. It is a detailed plan. 
God, have you ever kind of not had plans on a Saturday and you're like, what should we do today? And you ask your wife, like, where do you want to eat? Or you ask me, where do you want to eat? And it's like, I don't know, where do you want to go? I don't know, where do you want to go? I don't know, where do you want to go? Wherever, whatever. My dad hates the word whatever. He wants specificity. But sometimes the plan is no plan, right? Not with God. The plan is a detailed plan. God, my God, is a God of details. There is no such thing as a coincidence in the life of the believer. I don't believe in coincidences. I just believe that there is an orchestration of the plan of God for my life. And so either I can fall into alignment with that orchestration or I can rebel against that orchestration. But I know that God's plan for my life is down to the detail, including frustration, including heartbreak, including unforeseen circumstances, including the the dark seasons of our life. All of the details are part of the master plan. God has a detailed plan, and those details are down to perfection because I believe that my God is too sovereign to make mistakes. My God is too big to let one thing slip by him. My God is omniscient. He is omniscient. That means that my God, there is no such thing as an I don't know in the heart of God. God knows. God not only knows, he foreknows, meaning that he knows before it's possible to know. He he pre-knows, post-knows, during knows. God just knows. And so why should I stress about the unknown when I worship a God that simply knows. There is no detail of your life that is outside of the mind of the heart of God. There is no such thing as something that happens in my life that takes God by surprise. God's plan for my life is detailed down to the very breath that I am breathing in this moment. God knows. God is a God of details. Can you say amen? I think about my own life and and how I met my wife. The fact that My grandparents said yes to a mission call way back in the day that would lead them to Cape Verde, where my dad would be. And then they would get transferred to Brazil, where my wife would be born. And then I would be born there. I'm not really Brazilian, but I'm half Cape Verdean, half Texan, born in, 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 in Brazil. And we would end up moving to Rhode Island when we should have been moving to Texas because that's where our family is. But we moved up here and my, we left Brazil on in January of 91. Alini was born in February of 91. We were born in the same state. I left and she was born the next month. And then her family decides to move to the States and they come all the way to Boston. Here's the thing. You're like, yeah, that's a great story. I had no plans of being a preacher, a pastor, even though I came from five generations. 5,000 generations of pastors. And so the calling of my life came. I ended up starting to preach at some Brazilian churches because I had met people like Pam and then Pam had connected with people like Jay and Jay Alves ended up having an invite to go lead worship at a church in Boston. And so Jay Alves said, well, I know a preacher. Do you want to invite Shane to come and preach? So I go and preach. I step in that church. I spot Alini on that stage. And what story that had started way back about 70 years ago in Brazil comes to fruition in a moment because God is a God of details. That stuff doesn't happen by chance. Only God can call a young couple from the Midwest 
Take them across the ocean. Take them back across the ocean the other way. Formulate a master plan and then bring everybody to the smallest area of the country to meet each other in the smallest church in the country. The church that I, it was literally from like here to there. I saw her and I'm like, all right, that was, couldn't get more specific. We are in the smallest room in Boston and I found her. And (laughs) it was literally the smallest room. That stuff is details. And you think God can't handle you this morning? You, You think God can't handle your frustration? He knows you're frustrated. Don't you think Moses was frustrated? Don't you think Paul was frustrated, snake bitten, shipwrecked, beaten and abandoned, frustrated? Don't you think Joseph was frustrated? Don't you think Jonah was frustrated? Don't you think Esther was frustrated? Like, look, I'm the most beautiful woman in this country and I'm about to get killed. I'm the chosen one. Don't don't you think that Ruth was frustrated? Let's go deeper. Don't you think Jesus faced a little bit of frustration? The dude's flipping over. The dude, Jesus was flipping over tables in the temple because they had turned his house into a den of thieves. There's, there's frustration, but there is never a finish. Frustration is not a finish. God is a God of details. So if the plan of God for my life is detailed to perfection, I also believe this, that the plan of my God is incremental. Meaning that as you take steps, other steps are revealed. Look, I like a full-blown plan. I like to know A through Z with possibilities A through Z, with might be A through Z, I like to know the whole picture so that I can then step into it. I don't like unforeseen. I don't like surprises. I like to know. I don't know if I'm just nosy. Yeah, it's a control problem. I don't know. But like, I remember when I was going to seminary, some of the youth got together to throw me like this goodbye party to seminary. And Eli had asked me like for, for the keys to the cafe downstairs. And I'm like, why do you need the keys? And he's like, don't worry about it. I just need, I just need the keys. This was like several years ago. And I'm like, what's happening at the church that I don't know about? <laughs> Control problem. I like to know. But with the will of God, sometimes there's not a complete revelation there's an incremental revelation. What that means is if you trust God in this step, he can then entrust you with the next step. If you are obedient in the small, he can then promote you to the big. If you say yes to the small, he, then he can entrust you. It's just this process that God leads us on where if we knew the whole plan, we would stop trusting because then we could trust ourselves because we had the knowledge. So in order to keep us reliant on the will and the plan of God for our life, there is an incremental revelation. Because here's the thing, even the Israelites coming out of Egypt, 
They knew what the end result was, but they didn't know how they get there. And, and what should have taken them a week took 40 years, in large part because of their own stubbornness. But there was this incremental step, this battle after battle type thing, where they say, where they rely on God's presence and God's provision, and then they are able to step onto the next battlefield. And I want to remind you of this, is that the plan of God, although it may seem staggered, and although it may seem choppy, when it comes together, it is forming something that will be a perfect picture. And God cannot reveal it to all to us all at the same time because then the knowledge that we possess would be sufficient to trust in our own wisdom. Rather, if I take one step and I seek God again and I say, God, what's the next step? Then it keeps me seeking because I know that only he has the plan. It's a step-by-step revelation. Say yes in step one and then come step two. Say yes in step two. And then comes step three. An incremental revelation keeps you closer to the master plan. It's incremental. It's perfected. It's detailed. It's incremental. And there is, there is just something about the plan of God for our life that, that I think we can get frustrated where we feel like God is disciplining us or, or where we feel like we're being punished for something or we feel like we're taking, have you ever felt like the plan of God is taking backward steps? It's like I thought things were shaping up to be great and all of a sudden what I thought was the will of God ends up backfiring. It's like, God, you came through with this job when I needed it the most, but then I got laid off. It's like, Lord, what were you doing? I thought I found my soulmate, but then they ended up being a jerk. Like, it's just like, What's going on? A correction is not a cancellation. A correction is not a cancellation. I think of Maestro with those ties on that grid. We had labored hard to do that grid. A couple of hours in a hundred and some degree weather heat. And, and he came through with his pliers unashamedly and cut every single one of our little humble ties off. But just because there was a correction. It did not mean that the project was canceled. A correction is not a cancellation. My Bible tells me this, that he who began the good work in you will bring it to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. And yes, there will be seasons of correction because God disciplines those he loves. But there is never a cancellation. God never starts a project and leaves it half done. If God has started something good in you, my God is faithful. He will bring it to completion and he's going to finish the project and all the glory will go back to him and him alone a correction is not a cancellation don't get it twisted a setback td jake says it best because td jake says it the way no one else can he says in his, the only way he can say it a setback is a setup for a comeback and i am just here to remind you this morning that maybe it feels like you are in a frustrated going backwards kind of season there is no such thing as backward. My Bible tells me that we go from victory to victory. We go from grace to grace. He leads us in triumphant procession, my Bible says. And so it may feel like I'm going backwards, but sometimes it's a correction that is needed to continue the process. I want to remind you and encourage you, a correction is not a cancellation. Can you say amen? Corrected, but not canceled. Can you tell two people that? Corrected, but not canceled. Corrected, but not canceled. The difficult season you're going through is not punishment.
The hard times you're going through is not a punishment from God. It's the permissive will of God. Because Job was a righteous man. And yet he suffered hardship, not because of sin. Sometimes we think like, well, if I'm going through this hard season, it must be because I did something wrong. Listen, God, God is not, God's not like that. God uses hardship. God allows hardship to correct, to train, to sanctify. So those, those corrections, again, that verse that resounds with me in this moment is he disciplines those he loves. So what we think is hurting us is actually purifying us and making us more like Christ. I got cut on my legs like three times on this trip. And from, from these metal sheets that we were, these, it was metal roofing that we were replacing on a school. And if you just looked at those metal sheets the wrong way, they would cut you. It was, it was crazy. You just lean up against it. Cut, 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 cut. And my wife is like a big first aid kit fan. Like she, when she bought the first aid kit for the trip, I'm like, this is a waste of money. We're not going to need it. She's like, no, believe me, sweetheart, we're going to need this. And I was the first person that needed it. You are, you know, my white legs needed those band-aids. So, so she pulled out the first, I got cut once and, and she pulled out this first aid kit and she got these alcohol little tabs. And she's like, she said, sorry, before she put it on my cut. I'm like, why are you saying sorry? So she put it on. I'm like, oh, that's why you said sorry. It hurt. But that which hurt cleaned it. Sometimes pain is the healing agent. Sometimes heartbreak is what God uses to make you look more like Jesus. And if we didn't have the cut, we wouldn't have a spot where, they could, where it could be purified. The stripes on Jesus' back were the healing agent of humanity. God always uses blood to purify. Even if it means your heartbreak, your bloodshed, your tears, God uses pain for a purpose every single time. It may be a correction but it's not a cancellation. You may be facing one of the hardest of seasons right now. I'm here to remind you and be that voice of faith in your life that says you may be corrected, but the plan for your life has not been canceled. So if the plan of God is detailed and and the will of God is incremental, and if I also believe that, that, um, that if, it, if I'm in correction, I'm not, it's not because it's being canceled. It's just a, a process that God is leading me on. My fourth point would be this, that the plan of God is bigger than you. I think a big question that I get asked a lot is, how do I know God's will for my life? And that goes in many directions, either work or relationships or money or serving in ministry. How do I know what God's will is for my life? That's a question that gets asked a lot. And I think 
sometimes we want those details and we're frustrated because we don't know what direction we should go in. But I want to remind you of something very simple this morning is that the will of God for your life is bigger than your life. Shane Lima is one little block of a massive thing that God is doing. I think a great way to know God's will for your life is to realize that it's all about God. Let me go back to Maestro at the the story. He's an older gentleman that lives in the neighborhood around that church. And if you look on the Bible plan for this morning, the picture of that church is there. He wasn't even supposed to be the contractor for this trip. The missionary Jason had visited that church the weekend before we arrived in order to see what would be needed in order for us to construct that wall during the week of our missions trip. And and there was no one there. And so Jason went across the street and talked to this older gentleman, asking if the man knew any contractors that would be able to oversee the work that needed to be done at the church. Because the one that Jason usually works with was not available. And so Maestro said, well, I've built walls before. I can oversee the work. And so, all right, Jason gave the guy the job. He was from the neighborhood. Perfect. Like, let's, let's get to work. What do you need? We're going to buy it. And, uh, and, and, and we'll get started as soon as the team arrives. And I already shared with you that he's an older guy. He's been around. He's, he's, he's obviously built some walls before. He knows what he's doing. We didn't get many words out of him during the whole week. The three days that we were there. And then the last day came. We, we had had a small service at the church. There was a, a kid's service happening in, in the inside. And the adults were outside. And it was, it was a, a nice service. And, and Maestro was there kind of observing it all. And then I saw Jason at the end of this service, the missionary that had hosted us. He, he went off to a corner with Maestro, the guy who had been overseeing this work all week. And they were having a long conversation. And in our frustration, we were ready to go. It was hot. We were done. We were tired. Needed to shower. I mean, it was, it was just, we were, we were over it. But that conversation continued and continued and continued. And then this man, a few words, Maestro and Jason finished off their conversation. Maestro went back to work behind the church and Jason came up to the group and shared with us that in that moment, in that conversation, Maestro had rededicated his life to Christ. Look what happens. Maestro wasn't even supposed to be the contractor for the job. It was because another guy was unavailable that Maestro was tapped on the shoulder to be there with us during that week. We were supposed to build a wall, but God's plan was to tear down a wall. And so I want to remind you this morning that the plan of God, we thought we were there to simply build a wall, but I believe we were there to be the embodiment of the hands and the feet of Jesus so that this man could know that Jesus Christ loved him and wanted a relationship. You see, the plan of God is bigger than the details. It's bigger than you. It's bigger than me. It's bigger than any of us. But what I love is that even though I don't know every last detail of God's plan for my life, I know that the plan is always to give God glory. The plan for I exist for the sake of the glory of God. And so whether it be heartbreak or whether it be correction or whether it be seasons that I don't know what's next, I know that the plan of God for my life is great. So I want to read for you the verse that we read this morning one more time. 
but I want you to hear it through the perspective of faith, to know that God's plan for you is greater than you ever could have expected. It says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are not your ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. As the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish so that it yields for the sower and bread for the eater, so is my word that goes out of my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but my word will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. You will go out in joy and be led forth in peace. The mountains and the hills will burst into song before you and all the trees of the field will clap their hands. Instead of thorn bushes will grow the juniper and instead of the briars, the myrtle will grow. This will be the Lord's renown for an everlasting sign that will endure forever. The takeaway this morning is this. The word that God has declared about you will come to pass and will end in rejoicing. God's plan never ends in defeat. It always ends in the glory and honor of the name of Jesus Christ. And so I want to encourage you, brother. I want to encourage you, sister. Stand firm in the faith, knowing that the labor you are doing for the Lord is not in vain, that the toil you face today will be purposed for good, and that brokenness always leads to healing that correction is not a cancellation, that God's plan for your life is detailed to perfection, that God knows what he's doing and why he's doing it. We need to simply trust in the hands and in the purposes of the master, knowing that Maestro knows best. Maestro knows best. Can you say amen? God knows what he's doing. The master knows best. Could you stand with me this morning?